All right, welcome everybody. This is Mary Craig Ministries and Craig House Christian Fellowship. We are in a series, Truth for All Time. The message today is, is asking God for forgiveness enough? I'm Dr. Mary Craig. It is September 24. 2023. And let's pray. Holy Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, whose we are and whom we serve. We thank you for the body and blood sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. We thank you for his life of radical obedience, perfect personal perpetual obedience even to death on the cross, we thank you that he fulfilled all righteousness, even to dying to pay the penalty for sin, redeeming those for whom he died by his blood, the sacrifice of himself. We thank you he brought the reconciliation that overcomes alienation from you, that by this reconciliation we can know you as Father. We thank you that Jesus bore your wrath, bore the curse, bore the sin, And for the glory, Jesus destroyed the works of darkness, defeating Satan and his kingdom publicly. We thank you, Lord God, for those in Christ who were chosen before the foundation of the world, and we are accepted in the Beloved. We thank you that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again from the dead, out from among the dead, and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Almighty. Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords. God the Son, Son of God, ruler over the kings of this earth and coming again in power and great glory. We thank you for the sending of the Holy Spirit and we ask that the Holy Spirit come as the Spirit of truth, guiding us into the truth, that he come as the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, revealing Jesus Christ to us and granting us wisdom for the days in which we live. We ask that the Holy Spirit open our eyes to comprehend, understand, and perceive what you have for us today. Open the eyes of our minds and open the eyes of our hearts to receive. Honor our desire to glorify you. We come before you in humility. On bended knee with our heads bowed, we pray that we be renewed in the spirit of our minds and put on the new man which was created according to you, God, in true righteousness and holiness that you would sanctify us by your word and by your Holy Spirit, that we may open our mouths boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, compassion, and grace, that we might love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, there's a lot of talk today about the Holy Spirit moving to bring young people to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, which is really an awakening, and revival. There has to be something to revive. Concurrent with faith is repentance. Both are the gifts of God who is creator and redeemer. 
It's as true today as always. For by grace you have been saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The Holy Spirit regenerates the heart, which then turns away from sin and iniquity and trespasses and turns to Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It is the living God who justifies ungodly sinners, those who, quote, miss the mark. All have sinned and fall short of the glory, the perfection of God. No wiggle room here. We are all born naturally into the estate of sin and misery because Adam knowingly and willingly ate the delicious-looking fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In doing that, Adam fell. He chose another wisdom, and in that choosing, he rejected Christ, the wisdom of God. He turned away from God only wise. Bad move. It can happen to true believers as well. A true believer does not lose his or her salvation. That is secured by Jesus, the surety of the covenant in his blood, and by the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. Jesus said that of all that the Father had given him, he would lose none. Do we believe Jesus? Do we, do we believe what Jesus believes? So many Christians think the Christian life is all up to them. When a true believer drifts, doubts, disbelieves this or that, disobeys, and is headed for disaster and fatherly displeasure, they might ask for forgiveness but fail to take into account the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness. God alone justifies inasmuch as Christ died for the ungodly and a believer who is in Christ is defined as holy, blameless, and above reproach. We laugh. We know we are far from that by the process of conviction, convincing, converting, and correction, we are kept on track. We learn to cooperate and, quote, get with the program. We become open to instruction from the Word of God. We learn obedience and growing in grace. Whenever we don't, we usually find ourselves going around the mountain again and again, 
Hopefully, we find out what pleases the Lord. God grants repentance. It's a gift. Second Timothy 2, 25 and 26. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God for adventure or for chance will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him, by the devil, at his will to do the devil's will. Maybe we are in a snare, a trap, behind a stronghold of Satan or of our own making when the grace of God, the Spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit begins to move. There is a change in the air, in the atmosphere, a hope, a brightness, a light, a sense of something good coming, a sense of something being birthed or being loose or reviving drooping saints, times of refreshing. But we cannot be surprised if we first travel through the valley of the shadow of death. We die to what we now know and trust as a way, a principle, a law of for living. We are coming to a dead end of what has not profited us because of perverting God's way. Now, I'm going to give you my testimony and a brief I could make it for him. <laughs> I thought I was a Christian. I had a decent Christian resume in September 1972. And then three people came to our house and presented clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. The scripture that jumped out at me was, I and the Father are one. But I was still presumptive as my husband Jim and I prayed the sinner's prayer. He was the heathen, you know. I was just wanting to pray, go back to church, you know, read the Bible in the house, etc. See, my fault was I didn't consider all that uh, before uh, we got married. And God was gracious. All week, so after that first prayer, all week I was reading Romans. That's God says he was right there. I was reading Romans. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit works and intensifies a different group of 
three people return. I had a sense they would actually clean that house that afternoon. I have it already. This visit was obvious to me that whatever they had, Jim had it too, but not me. I saw in the spirit a veil between me and them. Later, I knew there was this battle over my soul. I was in the middle of it. I knew absolutely that God, the true God, was sovereign. I feared the Lord. The battle lasted for about an hour, and then I heard the living spirit for the first time. The Holy Spirit indicted me for unbelief, among other sins, and in his grace granted me repentance and faith, the kind of faith that, quote, saves. Saving faith. That was on September 27, 1972. At 1 a.m., I was born again. The only way out is up. You must rise from that death into newness of life. In the move of God of the Holy Spirit. Something is coming to us as the Holy Spirit moves to regenerate, to bring new life, a new creation. The old is passing away. The enemies of God are being destroyed, rendered null and void, unknown, abrogated, overruled, and overpowered. The graves are being rent by a power that you cannot resist, a power that Satan fails to comprehend. It is the power of God. It is the energy moving out from the center of God's being. It is the light, the love, the life of God being poured out upon a chosen one. It is the new heart given. And how can this be so? Romans 6 talks about it. Romans 7 talks about the struggle, the war between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 speaks about a bond of love so strong that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ the love of God. Repentance comes, and with it, revival. It comes with knowledge. The entrance of the word brings light. As we hear the word of truth, it becomes to us a rhema word, a living word. It calls us out of darkness into a marvelous light. As we comprehend the truth of Christ, who is full of grace and truth, we begin to reckon 
we begin to turn from darkness to light. We are drawn to the light of God, who is love. As we turn to see Jesus, we see life in him. It is what we want. We see love. We see truth. Jesus Christ rose from the dead the third day, just as he said. We see grace. We see kindness. We see mercy extended in his outstretched arms. We hear the call of the Father to look and live. And we come to the light of God's love. Look at the cross and live. That draws us. And we begin to reckon ourselves dead from the sin that has held us in bondage. We don't want it anymore. We don't want that bondage to sin. We don't want sin in our lives. It is a dead work. It is a sin that leads to death. It is a pit, a grave of destruction, a huge negative. We begin to die to that thing. We begin to yield, yield to the light and to the love, to the life in Christ. We look and live. We hear the call of Christ to come and die. As we come and die to those things, that are leading to death, we hear the call of the Holy Spirit to rise and reign in life in Christ Jesus. R-E-I-G-N. That learning to reign or rule starts with us individually. Ruling over the sin in our lives. Repentance. It is a repentance unto life. It comes as the water of the word washes us and the blood of Christ cleanses us of sin. We are made clean by the words which Jesus speaks. Our conscience is purged from dead words to serve the living God. There's a purpose to all that, all this. It's to serve the living God. We are moving into a new realm, a place in God, governed by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We are being set free from the law of sin and death, from the principle of corruption leading to the grave. The law of God, summarized in the Old Testament, 
in Exodus 20 is a law born out of the love and holiness of God. It reflects his nature. The law is good, spiritual, and holy. But when we hear it, we are convicted by it because it is a mirror into both the soul of God and into our soul. We see that we fall short of the glory of God, short of his righteousness, his perfection. We must reckon with the truth of corruption, of not fulfilling our appointed end, purpose, as God created us in his image for his glory. By the way, all these people go around and they do all kinds of things today. The Bible is not around so much. Um, and they're looking for purpose and meaning. Why was I born? What am I on earth for? What am I good for anyway? Why am I here? Why did I survive whatever they survived? Why am I still alive? Things like that. Meaning and purpose. So we must reckon with the truth of corruption, of not fulfilling our appointed end, our purpose as God created us in his image for his glory. We must reckon with truth in spite of a desire to kill our creator and take his place. We must reckon with truth in spite of a desire to do away with a mirror. Get rid of that mirror and the standard. Get rid of that Bible. We don't, it's an authority to us. That's the attitude. Gotta get rid of that. And be a law unto ourselves. My values are my own. So what is the message of Romans 6? No, reckon, yield. The law of love says love God with all your heart. That has to do with loyalty mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. God is love. Love is not God. You cannot reverse that and say love is God. God is love. His love is stronger than death. His love will pull us out of the grave of destruction, out of the swamp, and mire of corruption, and bring us out of darkness into light, his light. We will hear in the law of God things that we know we have done 
which we should not have done, and things we should have done, which we failed to do. The law was given to a redeemed people in order that they might be the demonstration people of God. God's people are to reflect the one who redeems them, to show everyone that they are the children of God, his children, a child of the covenant of grace, a child of the Holy Spirit, a child living in the kingdom of God. As we read the law of God in Exodus 20, we find that in every you shall not is the certainty of God's promise. You shall not. So within the command there's also this promise. There will come a time when we will not have any other gods before us in God's face. There will come a time when all this sin will not be. We won't be around it. The born out of God person who has been justified by the atoning work of Jesus Christ has a destiny in Christ such that he, she, will not sin in the estate of glorification. And that happens when we physically die and and where when the elect of God go to heaven to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there is hope. Right now, the Holy Spirit is coming to revive us. That revival comes as we repent, casting off those things that are death, dead, dead works, dying vestiges of gravity, things holding us down, holding us in, holding us up, holding us back from the destiny God has for us. That revival will come as we come to God honestly, telling him just how it is with a repentance a repentant heart and a desire to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We come to him who is true, faithful, holy, loving, without harm, without guile, without evil, to the one who loves without a lie. We come to Jesus who died that we might have this life and who rose from the dead. 
His once-for-all-time sacrifice of himself was accepted by the Father, making reconciliation. We are accepted in the Beloved. Believers can experience this revival, this refreshing of the water of life. Jesus has the power of an endless life. We have to really think about that and think about it and think about it. Jesus has the power of an endless life. It flows vine to branch. The Holy Spirit is the life maker, the life producer. We may come freely without cost. I speak for the bride of Christ when I say, the spirit of the bride say come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let all who want to drink of the water of life freely come. This is not a coming forward in some artificial display of spirituality to impress others. This is private. Brace yourself and stand like Habakkuk, like Job. Fall on your knees, on your face, before the infinite, eternal, and unchanging Creator-Redeemer. It's not fake it till you make it. Our God is a consuming fire. Be amazed at his love. This so great salvation. Be refreshed, renewed, repaired, and transformed. Let's truly repent. This, then, is a message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 1 John 1 verses 5 to 10. Amen. Now let's pray. Father God, 
help us to repent. Help us not just to ask you for forgiveness over and over and over and over and say, okay, there. Or help us not to think, well, you're so gracious. Your grace is greater than my sin, so I can just do whatever I want, and you, there will be no consequence. Help us, Lord. Put in us the desire for the repentance unto life. Not just, I did that once 50-some years ago, but now. It's a way of life. Help us to learn. Help us to receive instruction. Help us to have knowledge of the truth and to acknowledge that truth. Please, God, grant us repentance. Please. We are in snares and traps or we are about to walk into something and drifts and doubt and then disbelieve and then disobey and then we're caught and Lord Jesus you are the one who rescues us when we call upon you and we mean it we mean it because you are the one who went about doing good and healing all those oppressed by the devil. We thank you today and ask you for joy. My definition is Jesus owns you. Oh, we don't like that. But you own us. Our lives are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Our lives are not our own. So help us, Lord God. So many today are self-centered. They're like little creators of their own universe, little creators of their own destiny. They're very self-centered. Help us, Lord. And not just to see trees as our higher power, but help, help us, Lord, to see that you are El Elyon, the most high God, There is no one higher. No one more sovereign, more holy, 
more merciful, more loving, more gracious, and so forth, and wise, God only wise. Let us grow up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. And now, if you would please stand for the benediction. Hebrews thirteen twenty and 21. Now may the God of the peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.